Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Blush. I'm your host, Heva, and I'm so excited to be one-on-one, just the two of us again this week because weirdly, and it ended up being three weeks back-to-back with someone on the show, which is great. We love to have guests. We love to see it. We love this for Blush, but let's be real. The bread and butter of the show is the two of us one-on-one or... I don't know. Does that even make any sense? (laughs) What am I saying? Who knows? Let's move right along. But the past three episodes have been so good. I want to really shout out everyone who came on and helped out. Number one, Stella, just dropping such useful information on birth control, on fertility awareness, on how to be able to have control over your fertility without using hormonal hormonal birth control if that's something that you don't want to use. Such useful information. And I will say I've gotten my period since we recorded that episode. So it's been really fun using the app that she talked about and syncing it and entering my data and all that fun stuff. So if you have not checked out that episode, it's three episodes ago. Go check it out. If you're someone who, you know, is capable of being pregnant and you don't want to get pregnant or capable of reproducing and you don't want to reproduce right now, it's it's a great episode. We also talk about our future plans for kids and engagement and fun stuff like that. It's a fun listen. Go check it out. And then two episodes ago, we had on Joey Skladani, who is kind of a newer friend of mine. And we talked a lot about the dating scene, dating. And one thing that you might really enjoy in the episode is we played these games that kind of help tap into your subconscious. I've been playing it with everyone since then. And my parents are obsessed and they make me do it to their friends. So my parents will have friends over and like a party trick, they call me on the phone and they're like, do into the woods with our friends. And I'm like, okay, so imagine you're sitting in woods and then I have to tell them everything it means. But it's so fun. If you haven't listened to that episode, it's so funny. It's so fun. And you have to learn this game. You have to learn this game to be able to get inside your subconscious. So there was that. And then last week, Alyssa Alter and I did a pod swap. Now you might recall Alyssa, she's been on the podcast before, but this time we recorded one long conversation and split it between our podcasts. So part one of that conversation was on her show, The Myth of Motherhood, and part two was on Blush last week. We talked about all things motherhood. And so 
definitely if you want to have a child, you should listen to it, whether it's now or later. And if not, honestly, if you have a good sense of humor, you should still listen to it because Alyssa and I are, we're a vibe together. It's a, it's a fun episode. It's a good time. And now we're back to blush original recipe, which is just me, or I shouldn't say original recipe because that kind of... <laughs> That kind of ignores a little blemish on the blush record that we just kind of try to pretend never happened. Okay, we're just going to move right along. So I got my period. Um, yeah, we're just going to move right along. I, I got my period. So I've been talking a lot about how I hadn't had my period in a while. I got my period. It was very exciting. It happened last week, I believe. I was cooking and I just felt something. You know how you sometimes feel something come out and you're like, okay, did I just get my period? Did I just pee my pants. Or as we learned in that episode with Stella, that actually could be your peak cervical mucus, which is very watery. And, you know, being in this state where I last got my period when I was in Australia in February, which, okay, isn't that long ago. I didn't menstruate for years before. So my mom wasn't appreciating how seriously I was taking this. But you know, as someone who has dealt with disordered eating and sorry, guys, my phone just made fucking noise. Putting it on silent now. I have had the sound on more often lately because I'm constantly waiting for fucking packages. Anyway, hopefully that sound didn't come through. But if it did, I just put it on silent. So whatever. (laughs) Okay, what was literally what was I talking about? My period, cervical mucus. Okay, and sorry if you can hear cars outside. It's a rainy day and something about rainy days. I don't know. Do you think the traffic sounds are louder? Is it is there some kind of connection between moisture in the air and sounds and that's how it does it or are people just losing their minds while driving? when it's rainy. I don't know, but there's a lot of traffic sounds coming also. So hopefully those aren't bleeding through, but honestly, nothing will compare to last week's episode when that chair would not stop fucking squeaking. And it has not done it since then. That's the wildest thing to me. Okay. What the fuck was I talking about? I, 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 I was stressed about my period because I have gone years without it. And I, you know, I had lost a bit of weight. And so I really did think it was that. Everyone kept being like, stress, stress, stress. And I was like, yeah, that's cool. And I would love for it to be stress. But I have a feeling it's the fact that I lost weight. And I really think that I didn't. I, you know, I've had a few conversations about my weight recently. And I'm really trying to be very open and honest about these things because In my experience and everything that I've read and all the research that I've done, eating disorders really truly do tend to live in secrecy. And so I try to be very transparent and open. And that's why I talk about my disordered eating past and things like that to really hold myself accountable. And last year, like really 2021 and 2022, no, 2021, 
I gained a lot of weight. First, it was I have the door cracked to this room, by the way, and Sam just came in. I don't know if you're watching on video, if you'll be able to see her. I don't know if the camera uh, is high enough I, or I mean is low enough to be able to capture her. But she just walked in the room. She's being uh, just an angel baby. OK, <laughs> 2021, I gained a lot of weight. First, it was honestly just dating Van Guy. I was unhappy and I was binge eating a lot. And then, you know what it was? I had the ick so badly with Van Guy, but I wasn't honoring it or seeing it or acknowledging it. And so the way that it would channel was because I had the ick towards him and I just felt gross towards dating him. I felt the need to make myself feel gross, and that was by overeating. And I think that's a common thing that happens, actually. I think that when we carry excess weight, usually there's some sort of benefit it's providing us, whether it's keeping us small, whether it's diverting unwanted attention. I mean, I see a lot of people who carry excess weight usually are people who Oftentimes, not always, sorry, it usually was a misplaced word, but oftentimes if we carry excess weight, there's a history of being seen and looked at in a way that made us feel uncomfortable. So then we put on that weight as a way of shielding that, as a way of not being seen, as a way of not being looked at in a way that we're not consenting to. So there's all these various, you know, emotional, energetic ties with excess body weight that we're not going to dive into. But I did put on weight while I was dating Van Guy. And then when we broke up and I started dating Ozzy, I started losing that weight. And then all this health stuff popped up for me. So my iron went dangerously low. My vitamin D levels went dangerously low and my thyroid hormones were dangerously low. And I put on weight again. And it took a while for me to lose that weight. And towards the end of last year, the remnants of it just kind of dropped off. It took months and months and months for all my hormone levels to get back to normal. And then when they did, it was just like the snap of a finger. Everything kind of fell off. So the end of last year, I lost all this weight. And, you know, a lot of people did bring it up with me, especially with regards to the fact that I am very open about having had an eating disorder. I think I'm okay is the best way I can answer that. I don't think I'm doing the disordered eating stuff that I used to do. All of the kind of signs that I've had for myself of, okay, this is to what to be aware of, because I also don't think it's super black and white, right? I don't think it's this on and off switch. I think there's a lot of gray. I think eating disorders like everything else kind of can be on a spectrum. So I am being aware of myself anyway, but I did lose that weight. And I do kind of think that that's probably why I lost my period for, or, you know, it took a couple months for the period to come back because I think my body just kind of had to adjust. I don't know. We'll see how consistently and reliably I get it going forward. And if I'm actually ovulating or if I'm just kind of bleeding without ovulating. Those are all factors to look into. But I truly believe that I 
have been regular with my period while being at this body weight before, before I gained all the weight in 2021. So I, I do think that I'm okay. Again, I, I really do try to be very honest with you guys, very honest with myself. Number one, that's the most important thing to me. And then number two is you guys, you are my people. You are those bitches. You are the thing, you know, you're my priority after myself and my immediate family. So I do really try to be very honest with you guys. And I I think I'm okay, but I'm always keeping an eye on things. (laughs) And that's a weird answer to be like, I'm not 100% sure. I mean, could I be teetering on the edge of orthorexia? Yeah, I think so. But I, I think I'm okay right now. Anyway, I got my period, so that's a great sign, and we will keep our eyes peeled for it next month. (laughs) Okay, Um, (laughs) what else? Oh, one other thing I want to get into before I kind of get into all the shit from this, you know, that I've planned for this week. So... I have stopped bringing my phone into the bedroom, and I believe I've talked about my desire to do so on this podcast. I'm not 100% sure now that I think about it, but I really, I can't imagine a world in which I've not discussed the fact that I always intended on doing this. And I know at the beginning of 2023, I remember thinking to myself, at some point this year, I'm going to stop sleeping with my phone. Because the way that I would sleep with my phone, I mean, just cradling it, like it's like a little baby, like it's it's something I gave birth to. The way I'd scroll TikTok or Instagram reels or whatever. I mean, just the way that I cherished my time with my phone in bed. And I knew it wasn't great. And you always hear about people who say, oh, they turn the Wi-Fi off on their phone and they put it on airplane mode and they leave it in a lockbox, you know, 14 miles away from their house when they go to bed. And therefore, they are the healthiest and best person that's ever lived because they have these boundaries. Yeah, sure, whatever. But it was intriguing to me and I just kind of stopped doing it. I started reading in bed instead. I ordered this nightlight that clips onto my book and it's red light only if you want to hear more about red light versus blue light and all of the things. Check out four episodes ago. It's part three of the five habits that transformed my life. So yeah, I'm 99% sure it's in part three. It's actually, that's a great three-part series to go listen to, even though I believe I was an absolute cunt in part two. It was the day that I was really bloated and swollen and I just could not get it together. And frankly, I thought that was going to be today because I've been feasting on leftovers, which we'll come back to. And the way that I ate everything in the kitchen yesterday, everything, like I completely finished Ozzy's chips. (laughs) And he was just happy, honestly, that I did. So it's fine. Anyway, the fuck am I talking about? Why do I lose my train of thought so much? Do you ever wonder if you are less smart than you used to be? Because I think about it constantly. I used to be sharper. I used to be quicker. I used to be sharper and quicker are the only two words I can think of because I definitely killed brain cells. Here's here's what I think happened. I think that in my 20s, I did a lot of partying. I did a lot of experimenting. I did a lot of 
going out. I did a lot of not sleeping and I did a lot of disordered eating. And I worry that I have killed my neurons and that I'm just not as smart as I used to be. And I see it because I'm constantly losing my train of thought and forgetting things that I talked about. But you know what? If you're judgmental about that, you try sitting behind a mic with a million lights pointed at you and the camera pointed at you and devices, 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 devices. You guys have no idea what's going on behind the scenes here. It is overwhelming. Okay, moving along. Still still no clue what the fuck I'm talking about, quite frankly. I remember there was something about my period and I believe we moved on and I literally have no idea. Blue, oh, okay, yeah, my phone. Yeah, so I have this red light book light. It clips right onto the book. The first night that I used it was a bit of a hassle, and I was very aware of how much I was fussing with the pages, just trying to figure out, you know, the light should come with an instruction manual, and maybe it's intuitive. Maybe it is intuitive. It should have been intuitive. I don't know. But I was having a very hard time figuring out which part of the book I should clip it onto. The other thing I was really struggling with is, you know, when you first start a book, you can't fold the cover to the back. And so you just kind of have to, I mean, you can when you're reading the front side of the page, but when you're trying to read the back side of the page, you just have to hold the whole fucking book open because there isn't, if you were to fold it back, half of the words in the lines would get cut off. And so it's just a special kind of hell that's reserved for us readers because I'm a reader now. Should I get a Goodreads account? I don't even know what the fuck Goodreads is. That's where I'm at in my reading journey. Anyway, I've been reading. I read The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. Phenomenal book. One of the best books I've ever read. And this time of year, it's a good book to read. And I'm not going to elaborate on what I mean by that. Because if I were to elaborate, I would spoil something that I don't want to spoil in the book. But if you've read the book and you're like, bitch, what the fuck are you talking about this time of year? DM me and I'll tell you what I mean. But if you pieced it together, then good for you. And if you haven't read it, fucking read it because it is a phenomenal book. And I just started a Colleen Hoover book. I hear Colleen Hoover is, you know, I mean, she's the moment. Everyone's obsessed with her. And I I know her books aren't like literary works of art, but they're page turners. And that's what the fuck I'm looking for for my nighttime reading. I'm looking for a goddamn page turner. But my friend said that this one by her is a little bit different than her other books. And it's a thriller. So I don't know. I just started it last night so far. So good. Okay, so that's kind of everything that's been going on with me, other than the fact that it was my birthday last week. I turned 35, officially the age where I believe if I get pregnant now, it's called a geriatric pregnancy. Geriatric, love that for me. Love that word. Love using it, especially because she has the face of a 16-year-old. I'm just kidding. But I remember when I was still vaping up until a year ago, (laughs) really one of the last vapes I ever bought when I was at the head shop buying it, the guy who worked there asked for my ID and I was like, I literally will fuck you. (laughs) Like, do you want a blowjob? Is that is that what you're angling for? Because I will suck your dick. Thank you so much for thinking that I'm below 18 years old. But yeah, okay. 
Anyway, how did we get here? Who knows? Oh, my birthday. Yes. So I turned 35 and I don't really fuck with my birthday. I think I've talked last year about why I don't like my birthday. I'm not going to bore you with all the reasons why I don't like my birthday. There are a few things that have happened in my past that made me not like my birthday. I talked about it last year. If you're curious, ask me and I'll talk about it next year. Not that important. But one of the reasons why I don't like my birthday is because it's this marking point where I can compare it to last year. And every year I'd kind of feel like, fuck, not much has changed. Specifically, the things that I don't like about my life have not changed. Specifically, for a very fucking long time, every year my birthday would be a reminder of the fact that I was still single, that I still didn't have the partner that I so desperately was looking for and how many more years was I going to have to be fucking alone and I started this tradition a few years ago I started it in 2019 actually where I have a journal a birthday journal I actually have it here with me I'm going to grab it And I journal in it only on my birthday every year. Now, sometimes I do the day before, the day after, whatever, but it's only on my birthday. So I started it in 2019 and it's this lovely tradition. And every year I write on it, you know, on around my birthday, whatever. And I'll go back and I'll read the previous years and then I update it. And Every year it would kind of be like, I, I'm sick of being alone. And keep in mind, I mean, when I started this birthday journal in 2019, I had already been single for a full goddamn decade almost other than when I dated the comedian for a few months, which just left me absolutely shattered, right? But this was an ongoing thing. Before the comedian, I was celibate for seven years. So it's not like this was just coming up out of the blue or whatever, Man, yeah, in 2019, I wrote a lot about how I was single and how I really was calling in this partner. Let me see if I can read any excerpts from, okay, this is from 2019. This year on my birthday, I'm trying to manifest one partnership to career. So basically the same shit as always, and I'm super frustrated. I don't understand what is blocking this still, still is in all caps. It's so frustrating, and I sometimes feel depleted. Like, how much longer do I have to wait? Do I maybe subconsciously not want it? I mean, it's... And then I talk about all these things that I'm excited about, but the things that I was excited about were the things that I was kind of like, I was about to go to an ayahuasca ceremony the following week. And I remember just thinking, oh, maybe this will be the thing that illuminates why this hasn't happened for me yet. I was having a human design reading the following week. Again, I was like, maybe this will shed light on why this has, I was just desperately grasping onto things, hoping that something would give me the clarity and give me the tools and the direction to figure out how to make this happen for me. And yeah, there isn't that much more that's interesting in the 2019, but oh, this is sweet. I wrote my intentions, hopes, and dreams for this 31st year of my life to meet a partner who makes me feel happy, excited, at peace, safe, 
supported, someone who I can have childish fun with, but who can also get deep with me, someone I can learn and grow with and and achieve our dreams, someone who supports and complements and supplements my life in the best way possible. And there are a few things I wrote other than that, but not super relevant. And then 2020 rolls around. Now, May of 2020, we were in a global pandemic. So obviously it was a little bit different, but we'd kind of more recently entered it. Now, I want to read what I wrote to you on May 17th of 2020, because I actually remember this very vividly. I get a little bummed out around my birthday because it's like year after year after year after year that I still have no boyfriend. It makes me want to text the comedian. Okay, but just writing about it is making it better. But will my life always be in a rut? Will I ever have the things that I want, the community, the relationship? Am I too old? Has the ship sailed? And I remember that night, this was during the Zoom era of the pandemic. Do you guys remember the Zoom era of the pandemic when we just had to get on fucking Zooms all the time with various people? It's like, bitch, I don't talk to you under normal circumstances now. In the midst of a global pandemic, I'm expected to roll up on FaceTime and Zoom with you constantly. Anyway, so we had a group Zoom for kind of my closer group from law school. And when everyone had logged off, it was just me and one friend left on the Zoom. I remember she was kind of like, what's wrong? You seem off. And I said, you know, it's my birthday tomorrow. And I don't, excuse me, I'm so sorry if you heard that car honk. And I said, you know, I don't care about it being my birthday and a pandemic and not being able to do anything because a bitch thrives on her own. That's not what's bothering me. It's the fact that it's this reminder of the fact that I'm still alone. I'm still single. I'm still here. I'm still nothing changes in my life. It feels like year after year. It feels like I'm in this rut. Will anything ever change for me? And, you know, she said some stuff and we had a really nice, really sweet bonding kind of conversation. That ended up being the last year that I was single on my birthday. And the following year, I was dating Van Guy, and not long after my birthday, I broke up with him. And then I've been with Ozzy ever since. And so I was really thinking about that girl who was going through so much pain, who so desperately just wanted partnership. And we're allowed to want partnership. It's human nature to want community and connection. And study after study after study shows that the people who are truly happy in life have strong relationships in their lives. So we're allowed to want partnership. I'm not shaming that at all. And I just, I really feel for that feeling of, will this ever happen to me? And I remember at the time, I'd always want to hear from people who were in the type of relationships that seemed really conscious and happy and safe and secure and stable and all of those things. And I'd always want to know 
how they got there. How did you find your person? How did you meet your person? Do you have any sort of advice? I mean, I wanted any information I could get on how the fuck to get there. And so I've really been thinking about why it was that I continued to be single year after year after year. And the reasons varied for all those years and how it was that I finally did meet, quote unquote, my person and how you guys can get there too. And so I really distilled it down. I think there are three broad reasons why you might still be single if you don't want to be single. And I have, I have advice on how to not be there. Oh my God. What? Like, I've just lost the ability to speak, I think. Yesterday I was talking to Ozzy and I was trying to say, what was I trying to, oh, we had done something in sex that we <laughs> did not have a history of doing. And I remember afterwards, I was trying to tell him, and if you're watching this on video, it's, if you're listening on audio, I'm sorry, you're going to be missing something because I literally couldn't find the words. And so I kept being like, I really liked when, and I kept doing this hand motion and he's like, what are you trying to say? And I was like, you know, the, mm, mm, mm. And he's like, what, what are those hand motions? <laughs> it was so silly. Anyway, it was really lovely. Maybe I'll talk about that another time. Moving right along. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters and what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I think there are three broad umbrella possible reasons as to why you might still be single if you don't want to be single. Obviously, if you want to be single, then that's the reason why you're single. But if you don't want to be single, you actually want to have partnership and you don't have it, I can guarantee you the reason why this hasn't happened to you falls under one of these three, three things. Now, it could be just one of these three things. It could be more than one of these three things. It could be all three of these three things, but it will fall into something that we're going to talk about today. And luckily, the treatment for all of these three things is very similar. 
So the first possible reason why you are still single if you don't want to be single is that you're not energetically open to a relationship. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean that there is something else in your life that is taking up the space of a partner and a relationship. And when I say taking up the space, I don't mean physical space. I don't mean this. Have you ever heard of those manifestation things when they're like, oh, if you want to manifest a relationship, then you should sleep on one side of the bed and leave space for your partner on that side of the bed. Or when you set the table for dinner, put out two table settings so that it's space for the partner. I don't mean shit like that. That's fucking bullshit. And that is crazy. I'm so sorry, but if you are putting out a plate and a knife and a fork and a glass for someone who is not there, you might need like a 5150 type situation. You might need to check yourself in somewhere. Bitch, if you are putting out table setting for someone who does not exist right now, that is crazy and that will not make you manifest love. If anything, it's going to push love away from you. That is crazy. And whether you take up the full side of the of the full bed or not, I literally don't give a shit. I mean, I think there are arguments to be made on both sides of things. Like if why cram yourself in one side of the bed? If you have the full bed available to you on the other side, I've always kind of on the other on the other hand, I've always kind of slept on one side of the bed because I like to be close to the ledge. I need access to things on the edge of the bed and I've never had a bed that's that small that I really had to sleep in the middle. But that's neither here nor there. When I say taking up energetic space. Energetic does not mean physical. So I don't mean that type of bullshit like, oh, you have to have room in the bed or you get an extra towel so that if you have a towel, then then the partner will show up. I don't mean any sort of bullshit like that. By energetic, I mean you literally do not have the energy for someone else to be in your life because all of your energy is elsewhere. And this can look different for different people, but some of the common things that I see are, number one, being hung up on your ex. So your ex might not even be in your life. You might have zero contact with this person. But if you're still thinking about your ex, that is taking up energetic space and energetically, there isn't room for someone else to come into your life. It could be that you're still hung up on your ex and you do actually have contact, in which case it's going to be exceptionally hard for someone else to come into your life because your ex is taking up that space. It could be being really enmeshed with your parents. It could be having really overbearing friends. It could be that you're hung up on someone who isn't actually that into you, or you're hung up on someone who isn't capable of giving you what you want. It could be that your career is taking up space. It could be disordered eating, addiction, or some kind of mental health issue. And by this, I don't mean that you have to be perfect and perfectly healed and in the perfect place in life to be able to meet someone. 
But if there is someone that something that you're dealing with that is taking up a lot of your energy, then it is going to be a lot harder to have space for the type of relationship that you want to enter your life. Now, there have been many phases in my life where I was not energetically available, where I did not have the energetic space for a partner to come through. The most notable way in which this happened was my eating disorder. I mean, not to get really gross, but at the height of my eating disorder, I was really abusing laxatives. And you know what happens when you abuse laxatives? You have diarrhea constantly. So I would go to bed and then starting around 1, 2, 3 a.m., I was getting up every 15 to 30 minutes to go have explosive diarrhea on the toilet. And then I'd come back to bed and then I'd get up again and then I'd come back to bed and then I'd get up again. And guess what? You can't fucking sleep with someone if you're doing shit like that every single night, self-induced. I mean, during that whole 10-year period, If I had a guy stay over, I wouldn't take laxatives, which also meant that I wouldn't eat. So basically, I was having to choose between eating at all, having even a bite of food, or hanging out with a guy. Can you appreciate how that didn't really leave a lot of space for a man to be in my life because I was having to choose between consuming calories and staying alive and sleeping with a guy. It, it, they're really, and then on top of that, I never ate with people. I lived so much of my life in secrecy. There just wasn't a lot of space. Another way I didn't have energetic space was a lot of times I had a lot of guy friends who were kind of filling the void of a partner. They were giving me a lot of elements of partnership without the intimacy and the sexuality, and they'd fill that void. And it's not to say, like, I'm not saying if you have guy friends, you're not going to be able to meet a man. That's not what I'm saying at all. But what I am saying is when you're filling the void with something else and coming at it with a kind of desperate energy, that's not going to leave you energetically open to meeting someone. I also had periods in my life where I had overbearing friends who kind of I was giving everything that I would be giving in a relationship to those friends instead and probably had everything else on that list. So I just want to address why this affects your dating life and how this might block you from having the type of partner that you want. In this case, it literally crowds out any room or space for that person to come in. It's kind of like, let's say you really want a new car, but your garage is full of crap. There's just shit everywhere. There's boxes and boxes of this and that. And maybe there's an old broken down car that doesn't even work. And then there's boxes of random shit from your childhood that you don't even need and you don't even want, but it's taking up all this space. You have to clean out the garage before you get a new car. Now, is it 
necessary? I mean, is it a hundred percent necessary? No. In theory, you could get a new car without cleaning out the garage. It does happen from time to time that that happens, but where the fuck are you going to put the new car? It's going to be a disaster. Shit's going to go haywire. You're going to have to park it on the street. You're probably going to get a fucking parking ticket. So you know what's a lot easier? You know what works a lot better? Clean out the garage. Make room for the car. Clean out the things that are taking up the space of partnership and romance in your life and make space for partnership and boom, watch it show up on your front door. So what are some signs that you don't have energetic space for a relationship in your life? Number one, you have friends to whom you are the sidekick. You finsta-stalk people. Trust me on this. If you're spending a lot of time finsta-stalking, you do not have energetic space for a relationship. You keep tabs on your ex or you actually have some kind of close relationship with your ex. You... There's someone of the gender that you're attracted to in your life that you spend a lot of time with, but there is nothing sexual or there's someone that you're seeing, but things aren't progressing. You're a workaholic. You have some kind of addiction related problem. You get stressed when you're making plans with people because you start to worry about food, your eating schedule, drinking, breaking up your routine, things like that. You're not on dating apps. Okay, am I saying that it's 100% necessary to be on dating apps to meet someone? No, that is not what I'm saying because you can meet someone any fucking way humanly conceivable. What I am saying is if you're not on dating apps, it could be a sign that you are not energetically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually available to meet someone. I think that it's like, the tip of an iceberg. 90% of an iceberg is below the water level. You can't even see it. It's only the 10% that we're able to see. So if you're not on dating apps and you actually want to be dating and meeting someone, that's the 10% that we can see. The 90% that's beneath the water level is I'm not actually open to meeting someone. Therefore, I'm not even going to put myself on dating apps. That's what's going on. Okay. And what can you do about it? I mean, it's a little bit more straightforward here. You have to figure out what the block is. And it could be more than one of those. You could be a workaholic with overbearing friends that you play second fiddle to with a guy in your life that's kind of breadcrumbing you, that's showing you some interest, but not actually dating you. And you're, you know, not on dating apps or whatever. And it could be just one of those things. It could be multiple of those things. But you want to identify all of the different things that could be 
blocking you. And you want to start strategizing on how to neutralize those things. You're going to need boundaries. You're going to need to figure out why you're having a harder time setting boundaries. You're going to need boundaries with yourself. You will need inner work in order to even be able to implement the boundaries. But you're going to need to start strategizing. And sometimes it's not easy. I mean, if you have a job that's really overbearing, it's not as easy as, okay, I figured out my job is blocking me. Now I'll quit. You know, that's not realistic. That's not real life. You're going to have to start strategizing how you can neutralize the effect of this thing or the multiple things that are blocking you. The second possible reason why you are still single if you don't want to be single is that you're jaded. Simple. You're jaded. And what do I mean by that? I mean that you anticipate being alone or being hurt. And this is going to affect your dating life. Number one, it's fucking annoying. It's actually so annoying to be around people who are jaded. It's off-putting. I get a lot of DMs from a lot of jaded bitches. And let me tell you, it is unattractive energy. It's draining to be around. And I'm going to say something that's going to sound kind of crazy, But if you're someone who's kind of jaded with dating, let me tell you this. Life is not a movie where someone is going to fight for you and convince you that they love you and it's safe for you to love again. That's not what life is. No one's going to do that. People are going to be around your jaded energy and be like, fuck this bitch. Why would I want to be here if she doesn't want to be here? And it's actually kind of ironic because If you are someone who's very jaded, then you probably are hyper aware of trying to not be in a Hollywood or Disney kind of mindset, right? Like you probably really pride yourself on being smarter and more realistic and more rational than the hopeless romantic type who is waiting for Prince Charming. But guess what? You're the exact same as that person because you're waiting on your Prince Charming. You're waiting for the person who, you know, it's like that. What was that Ashton Kutcher and Natalie Portman movie, No Strings Attached or something? Or I know Mila Kunis and Justin Timberlake made the exact same movie. But the premise was the same where they're kind of like fuck buddies and then fall in love. But specifically with the Ashton Kutcher and Natalie Portman one, it was the Natalie Portman character who kept being like, no, 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 because she was so jaded and didn't think it was going to work. And he just kept having to fight for her. That's what you're doing if you're jaded. You think that there's going to be this Prince Charming who's going to come around and be like, no, it's safe to love me and I love you so much and I'll never leave you and I'll hurt you and stop pushing me away and just let me in. No one's going to do that shit for you. This isn't a fucking movie. No one's going to do that. Get your shit together on your own. And then someone will come in and show you that it's safe to love. But you are going to have to get there on your own. So what are some signs that you're jaded? Number one, you pride yourself on being realistic or a realist. 
You judge other people for being needy or emotional. You make generalizations about men or women in dating. For example, men only want sex. Women are obsessed with height or women only look for rich men or all these various gender stereotypes. You make generalizations about the dating scene. One that I see very common is like, well, dating in New York, blah, blah, blah. If you find yourself saying shit like that, you are fucking jaded. You. (laughs) Sorry, I literally can't read my outline. Oh, you make kind of anti-love and dating or marriage comments like, oh, I'm never going to get married or like marriage is stupid or this or that. You talk about being a realist. You talk about Uh, you know, how you're not dumb or you're not this or you're not easily blindsided. You purposely wait a long time to respond to texts. That's a sneaky one. But if you do this, I think you're probably jaded. Okay. What do you want to do about it? You have to work through the trauma because if you're jaded, some traumatic shit has happened to you and it doesn't have to be big T trauma. It can just be a string of really bad relationships. It could be witnessing a relationship between your caretakers that wasn't the type of relationship that you want. It could be witnessing a lot of people getting hurt on TV, quite frankly. But one way or another, you have been hurt. And you're going to want to look at all of your dating experiences. You're going to want to look at the relationship that your childhood caretakers had. And you're going to want to look at other formative relationships that you have witnessed in your life and figure out all of the various ways that these emotionally impacted you. And you're going to want to work through those things. And by work through, I mean trauma reprocessing work. I'm not going to bore you with it. There are a number of ways to do it. And if you're interested in that, check out the Blush Academy. There links in the show notes to sign up, etc. But there's guided meditations within the Blush Academy that literally help you reprocess trauma. But there are also trauma reprocessing modalities and therapy like EMDR and somatic therapy and shit like that. The third reason why you are still single if you don't want to be single is that you are too needy. And what I mean by that is that you have a lot of weight and importance on romance. You might be showing up to dates every first date wondering, is this going to be your person? You might constantly want to talk about your dating life. You might constantly be hoping that a relationship defining or a status uh, affirming conversation comes up. You constantly are checking your phone in hopes of hearing from that person. You really are grasping onto love and relationships too tightly because subconsciously you think that a relationship will solve all your problems. But here's the thing, you will not. Ultimately, if you fall into this camp, you are high on the anxiety spectrum within attachment theory. And the reason that if you are too needy, it will keep you single is because it puts out desperate energy and it's really off-putting. And here's the thing, you might think to yourself, why is this so off-putting? And you might fall into gender gender generalizations here where you're like, ugh, men are so annoying. And why is it that when you show them love and you show them affection, they run away? And how toxic of men. 
That's not the problem. If you're in this camp, the reason that it's off-putting is because it's not authentic. It's not sincere. When you're showing love and affection, you're not actually loving that person. You're not actually showing affection towards that person. What you're doing is you're trying to fill a void in your own life and you're just desperately trying to put any square peg through any fucking hole that you can find, even if it's not the right hole. And so the reason it's off-putting to people isn't because they're incapable of dealing with emotions. The reason it's off-putting is because it's not actually authentic. It's not about them. You don't actually love them. You're not actually showing affection towards them. You're just trying to make this work because you're trying to fill a void in your life. And whether the other person recognizes it or not, on some levels, subconsciously, they know that you don't actually feel this way about them. They know that it's not about them. They know that they're just a pawn in your game of just trying to feel less alone. And that is why it's off-putting. And there are instances where it could attract someone, but it's always going to attract the wrong person. It can work temporarily with someone who is really yearning for attention and affection, but eventually it will turn them away because it's not about them. I actually have this theory that the reason that Pete Davidson dates all of these women and it gets really hot and heavy really quickly and then it kind of implodes really quickly is because I think Pete Davidson has extreme anxious attachment and I think that he enters into a situation kind of love bombing and not love bombing in a manipulative way. I think he thinks that he feels all of these things, but what he's actually feeling is a subconscious terror around being alone and a desperate need to be with someone. So in the beginning, he feels this euphoric, this love high, this all of these things. And he's just showering these girls with all this attention and affection. And they're like, oh my God, I've never met a guy who is so emotionally available, who says all these things. He's so sweet and he's so kind. But then as the relationship goes on and it keeps going, I think all of these women start to realize, wait, no, he doesn't actually love me. He just loves not being alone. And that's why all of these relationships implode. Again, allegedly, allegedly, I don't know Pete Davidson. I have no inside scoop. This is just my theory as someone who studies these things a lot. Now, some signs that you can look out for. You may make excuses to text people you may purposely wait a really long time to respond. You might wait to schedule plans with your friends around dates. For example, you only like reach out to your friends when you know that your crush is busy or out of town or something. You might need a lot of reassurance and this isn't just in dating. You might find yourself at work needing a lot of reassurance. That's a sign to look out for. You feel uneasy when you're not being praised and complimented. Again, it doesn't just have to be in a dating scenario. It could be in all facets of life. You might get anxious when you haven't heard from that person or people in general 
and you were constantly analyzing other people's actions and their words. Now, if one of these signs kind of sets you off and you're like, okay, this is me, I think, what can I do about it? It's the same thing as I talk about constantly with anxious attachment and attachment stuff in general. You're going to have to figure out the root of these attachment wounds and you're going to have to work through it. Now, if you fall in this camp, most likely the root has to do with you not getting the sense of independence that you needed as a child. You had caretakers who were not fostering and nurturing your innate sense of independence. Now, if you fall into this camp, I do want to say that you are like 10 steps ahead of the jaded camp because the being jaded and being needy are actually the exact same thing. They're just the opposite side of the coin. If you're jaded, you're actually an extremely needy person. It's just that you're so needy and you've been so hurt that now your neediness is manifesting as the opposite. You're trying to convince yourself and convince other people that you're hyper independent, but really, bitch, you're fucking needy. You are fucking needy. So if you at least are recognizing your neediness, that's amazing. You're 10 steps ahead of the jaded people. And if I sound really harsh while I'm talking about this, the reason that I'm harsh is because I'm really talking to a former version of myself who was all of these things. I was jaded. I was the most needy and I had no space for anything else in my life. And here's where it's kind of cool. No matter which of these three cases you fall into, and if it's more than one, that's fine. The work is the same, and really you want to be taking action. And there are two types of action that we want to be taking. Number one is the inner work, the inner action. So you have to be taking steps towards working through the inner stuff. And number two is the aligned action, the outer work, the outer steps. So for the inner work, you really want to work through the attachment wounds. You want to reprocess the dating trauma. You want to get to the root of of your people-pleasing and your codependency, you want to ask yourself what partnership symbolizes and means to you, what you would be getting from partnership, and what would having the partner of your dreams prove to you? What would having the partner of your dreams prove to other people? Take a minute and really answer those questions, journal on it. Because here's the thing, it is natural and it is healthy to want a partner. We are social beings. We're supposed to be in relationships. We've evolved to be in relationships. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be in a relationship. But if you are really wanting this and it hasn't happened for you, it's often the case that we're also looking for some kind of secondary benefit. For me, a lot of it was wanting to prove to myself and wanting to prove to other people that I'm not a loser. So wanting to prove to all of the kids that bullied me in elementary school, like, look, I have this really cool boyfriend. See, I'm not the loser that you thought that I was. Look, I am lovable. Look, I'm not a loser. So there could be something there. And just answering that question will kind of help you get deeper into your subconscious. And 
frankly, the Blush Academy is really helpful for this type of inner work. And then on top of the inner work, you want to be taking the aligned action steps. So you should be on dating apps. You should be socializing. You should be communicating with people. You should be setting boundaries with work, with your friends, with yourself. You need to stop settling for breadcrumbs. Ask yourself, if this dynamic were to never change, would I be okay living like this forever? And if the answer is no, then you need to cut that situation out. So overall, no matter where you fall within everything that we've talked about today, I want you to spend going forward 30 minutes per day on trying to find someone. If you are single and you really want to be in a relationship, spend 30 minutes per day on trying to find someone. And specifically, I want you to spend 15 minutes per day on the inner work and 15 minutes per day on the outer stuff. So for the inner work, I want you to spend 15 minutes per day either identifying some of these wounds, reprocessing the trauma. You can use the guided meditations within the Blush Academy. You can practice being a more positive person. You can journal on some of the questions I asked you today or literally just work through the Blush Academy courses. Spend 15 minutes per day every single day without fail doing this. And then I want you to spend 15 minutes per day on the outer stuff. I want you to set up your dating app profile. I want you to swipe. I want you to send messages. I want you to DM people on Instagram. I want you to socialize. But 30 minutes per day, every single day, 15 minutes on the inner stuff, 15 minutes on the outer stuff, I guarantee you, you will find someone if you just do this. It's kind of like if you want to be really toned, you're going to have to spend some time exercising and uh, cleaning up your diet. Same shit here. I'm giving you the exact step-by-step guide. 15 minutes on that inner work, 15 minutes on the aligned action steps. You will find your person guaranteed if you do this. Write me in, update me, tell me what aha moments you had. Better yet, put them in the uh, review section. Oh, and we are doing the giveaway. So if you enjoyed this episode, if you took something from it, just spend a couple seconds. This is not part of your 15 minutes because it's not going to take you that long. And just say something that you learned, something that you appreciate, something that you like, or just leave some fucking emojis. I don't give a shit. In the review section, it helps the show so much. But at the end of the month, I'm going to look through all of the reviews and pick someone who left a review this month and they will win a six-month membership to the Blush Academy so you can sit and do all that inner work. Now, in order to be entered into the giveaway, all you have to do is leave a five-star review, but you're going to want to put either your Instagram handle in the review or take a screenshot of the review that you left and email it to me, theblushpod at gmail.com, and I'll enter you into the giveaway. And at the end of the month, I'm going to randomly pick someone and, you know, share this episode, put it in your Instagram stories, send it to people. I mean, if you're listening and you have that friend who's single and they don't want to be single anymore and they're just really going through it, send this episode to them because I guarantee if you just do all of the things, you will find your person. Okay. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Thank you guys so much for the birthday wishes. Love you guys. 
And you know what? Leave a review and tell me what you want to hear more of on this show, because at the end of the day, this is for you. I want to help the people who are going through the shit that I was going through. And I want to help you get through it like I got through it. Okay. Love you guys. Bye.